Hey, all you creeps. My name is Elle, and I'm your host here on Murder on the 420 Express, a podcast where we explore the intersections of true crime, cannabis, and the paranormal. I'm here to prove the misconception that potheads can't learn. All they need is a subject that matters to them. Each week, I'll be bringing some of the most interesting and mysterious true crime cases from around the world, and we get pretty stoned along the way. But this isn't just a show about getting high and talking about crime. We'll also be exploring the paranormal elements that often seem to be present in some of these cases, as well as examining multiple theories about the supernatural. So whether you're a true crime fanatic, a cannabis connoisseur, or just interested in the paranormal, this show is for you. So grab your favorite piece, get comfortable, and join me as we get stoned and mind-blown and devil into the world of murder on the 420 Express. today's episode i have a special treat for you guys i took a deep dive into reddit probably one of the worst ideas i've ever had (laughs) and i gathered at least seven around seven stories that are spine chilling so hang on to your butts and let's get this session started but first what are we smoking on today well the strain of the day we are going to be smoking on a classic and just the one you want to be smoking on to listen to today's episode gg4 also known as gorilla glue number four this chunky resin covered bud has a very pungent earthy and sour aroma as a hybrid strain you can guarantee that this strain delivers heavy-handed euphoria and relaxation effects The side effects that you will likely gain from this tasty bud is as follows. Dry mouth, paranoia, and dry eyes. But you'll be sleepy and hungry. It's like the bud is rocking you to sleep like a wee little baby that is in need of a food-induced coma. (laughs) This strain is recommended for those that need help with pain management, anxiety, and stress. So there you have it, the strain of the day. Now let's get into the meat of our episode. But first... This episode is brought to you by A Love Story Photography, where every story is founded by love. You can find them on Instagram at a love story photo or shooting them an email at a love story photography at yahoo.com. All right, so for these, like creepy spooky stories i personally um i i only read like the first part of each story i didn't fully read to the end so we're all 
going to be in for a ride today, tonight, to whenever you are listening to this podcast. So let's get started. This one is called Spooky Story in Egypt. Mm. Not mine, but rather my friend's story. I live in Austria, even though my family and I have roots in Egypt. My dad's from a small village on the west side of the Nile, about six hours away from Cairo. We often visit there nearly every summer, staying at my uncle's house. Bro, that sounds like a fantastic fucking vacation. I digress. In that village, there is also a very old school built in the 60s, fairly close to the residential area. It was never torn down even though the school was shut down a long time ago, and its remains have no purpose at all. The main gate is locked, and you can only enter by climbing the walls, which surround that place, and all the classrooms are boarded up. The youngsters of that village often meet up at that schoolyard. It's the gathering point of the village's youth, and everyone knows that. Essentially... Whenever you're there, you're bound to meet someone to hang out with. I've heard a lot of stories about that school, some creepy and some weird, some rather disturbing, but I never paid real attention to those since I don't like creeping myself out that much. But my friend's story made me never want to visit that place again. Oh, do tell. One night, it was around midnight. My friend and his clique decided to chill there. Can I just... Okay, let me just stop it right here. Nobody uses the word clique like that anymore. And I just want to... I just want to give y'all... Give the OP some kudos here. Because that's like top-notch writing. (laughs) So anyways, his clique decided to chill there. They'd buy a couple of sodas, some chips, and make themselves a cool night. Since that school was close to a farm that belonged to his family, and his dad had told him to check on the animals, enough food, etc. He told his friends he'd meet up with them there. After he did, once he did what his father asked, after finishing checking on the animals, which he did rather quickly, he headed to the school. He climbed the walls nimbly, crossed the yard, and headed straight towards the white tree on the far end. None of his friends were there yet, so he decided to wait. He climbed that tree and sat down on a wide branch, both his legs dangling on either side of it. Dude, if this is going where I think it's going, (laughs) no. Okay, the answer, the answer is no. If some ghost, spirit, whatever fucking creature of the Nile wants to touch my dangling legs off of a tree, I will sucker kick you in the face, bro. If that's where this is going, I swear to God. There was a chill night breeze and the only light was that of the stars and moon. Wow, this is sounding really romantic. Maybe that's can't maybe the ghost just wanted to get friendly (laughs) he was staring at the sky when suddenly he heard something get knocked over in the boarded up classroom closest to him a small thud barely audible but it alarmed him 
He thought it was an animal at first, but he remembered that there was no entrance point for any kind of animals uh, except insects. All the windows and doors of the school have been 100% sealed off. He heard another thud, this time closer to him and louder than another. He started to get scared. He thought it might be a djinn, short for demon. Look, look into it if you're interested. Then suddenly he felt an evil of some sort step into play. The hairs on the back of his neck stand up and that unearthly chill and uneasiness of danger. Then something pulled on his leg violently. I fucking knew it, dude. I fucking knew it. I knew something was going to grab his leg. I fucking knew it. <laughs> I fucking called that shit. Okay. Then something pulled on his leg violently. He nearly fell but grabbed the tree trunk and managed to hold on. He looked down and there was nothing. And even though there was no one there, something pulled him again. This time, he jumped out of the tree, ran across the yard, climbed the walls, and just sprinted home. He felt as if, whatever it was, it was chasing him. After that, he never entered the school after sundown and never alone. His friends, although they believed him, still met up at the place, but never reported anything weird happening. Unfortunately, my friend had even more strange occurrences afterwards knocking voices randomly being woken up in the middle of the night random bruises without origin one time it almost looked like he pushed he was pushed down the stairs when he was at my place it's almost like whatever he met there it stuck to him he consulted a local imam and he was cleansed if i said that wrong i'm sorry he was asked to never enter that place again. He's 21 now. This was three years ago. Yo, okay. So I fucking called it. Did I not fucking call that shit? Like the minute they, he went and sat up on a tree, that motherfucker, that ghost, whatever the hell is or was attached to him, definitely wanted to play. And let's be honest, they did not want to play nicely. That was, that was a little hard to read. <laughs> uh, considering I'm recording this episode, like, in literally almost at 10 o'clock at night. This is probably one of the worst ideas I've ever had. But <laughs> let's continue. So the next story is my experiences in one of my childhood homes. Oh, dude, I childhood homes are like they're like almost sacred, but they're also like super creepy. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> so let's get into the story. <clears throat> when I was roughly ages 6 to 10, we lived in a mobile home on the lake. The first paranormal experience I ever had there was when was with our motion-censored hall light. It was a pet-free household. I was the only child, and my parents' room was on the other side of the trailer. 
this light would flicker on and off, and then in the morning time, it wouldn't cut off. We would press the button that could override the sensor and cut it off, but it wouldn't work. I was watching TV while it was storming when my mother and I heard a loud boom. My mother got up to look out the window, and once she got to the window, our power cut out. So I looked towards the TV, and I saw and I saw what looked like red devilish mask on a red body sitting next to me. So I quickly turned and looked next to me, and all I saw was my mom still looking out the window. It should be noted, it was midday and still bright while it was raining. The last experience I've had regarding this house was the other night I had a dream that I was in my bathtub in the old trailer and my head was repeatedly pushed in and out of the water while the bathtub was stretching. Ooh. Ironically enough, I woke up drenched in sweat at 3.33 a.m. Ooh. Ooh, why did I get like a yucky, gross, like, tar-like fucking feeling that mm, nope can't do it won't do it that's just weird i couldn't imagine you know like ugh, i could not ooh, I, ugh, gross i could not imagine that would scare the ever-living shit out of me i remember a few times growing up there were a lot of scary stories that like family members would tell like one year when my grandma got married her husband who's still her husband now told us this crazy ass story which I'll have to divulge another time but like it scared the living shit out of me my brother and my aunt Tesla and my aunt Tesla is a year older than me and then a year younger than my brother. My brother was the oldest. And that story scared the shit out of us. And we weren't even in a childhood home. We were staying up at a cabin in the middle of the woods up in Big Bear. And <laughs> and it still scared the shit out of us. So, I mean, I'll save that story for another time. Um, the next one we have is called Weird Occurrences. <clears throat> About three and a half years ago, I was nine or ten at the time. I was totally bored and decided to play with a scalpel I got from a box for a subject. Why the hell would you do that? <laughs> As I was playing with it, it just so happened to I just so happened to cut myself slightly because I wasn't careful enough. Well, you're playing with a fucking scalpel, so... <laughs> well, being a totally obsessed creepypasta fan at the time, I decided to take a brush and paper. And I think you know what I did. I drew the creepypasta symbol, or whatever you call it. You know, the crossed circle with my blood. And I just kept the paper hidden away in my closet or whatever. I... I regret doing that. <sighs> Tell us more. Why do you regret doing this? Well, during that time, 
I was sharing my room with my sister because the other room, which I currently am in right now, is my older brother's, who's 22 and has moved out. And I, at the time, didn't have my own room. The room was divided into two parts, one with the beds and one where there were work desks where we wrote our homework. I had my own work desk and my sister had her own. Well, after a few weeks of drawing the creepy pasta symbol on the paper, I started to hear knocks on the window when it was pitch black outside. I thought I was imagining it or something because I would always look out the window afterwards. I couldn't see anything or anyone. I had asked my sister if she had heard the knocking, but I guess she hadn't because she is always playing games with her headphones and in general rarely pays attention to stuff when she's occupied being on her phone, as any normal person would be. Keep in mind, I live in a, I guess you can call it a village in Croatia, where my house is almost completely surrounded by woods and there's about half a kilometer of distance between my house and my neighbors and there are hills and shit. During that time I had a hobby which is called majorettes or some shit. (laughs) The way this person writes is hilarious. I usually went to train I I usually and also really hard to read sometimes. I usually went to the training at 7 p.m. and returned home at 9 p.m. One day I went to the training as usual. My mom drove me to it and picked me up. And when we got home, we went inside, blah, blah, blah. I was getting my stuff together and putting my putting on my Crocs. My mom had already gone inside and there was absolutely no one outside. I heard a knock on the door. I was totally freaked out, but when to open the door only to find no one. Ugh, only to ugh. I heard a knock on the door. I was totally freaked out, but went to open the door only to find no one. I was sure I heard a loud knock on the door but it was pitch black outside and I couldn't spot anyone. I mean, it was 9 p.m. Why would anyone go around knocking on doors and then just hide? I ran into the house as fast as possible. Since my school is around 45 minutes away from my home by walking, I usually take the school bus because I'm exhausted after walking through the hills and stuff. And my bus stop is around 10 minutes away by walk from my house so it's really no big deal so one day went home as per usual and as I was almost in front of my house I it felt as if a hand had been placed on my back a hand with long oh fuck a hand with long fingers as if to comfort me or something I looked behind and the feeling of the hand completely wore off as I did I was really confused as to what had happened because then I was staring at the woods right in front of my house and after that it's been years, nothing luckily, until a few months ago I was getting ready to go to bed as usual, it was probably like 10pm at the time and I'm not really a night type of person, so I was dead tired by that point. 
and I just wanted to lay in bed because of having nothing to do. Well, as I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep, I heard really loud whispers in my left ear. I couldn't understand what was said, but it was said with a low raspy voice of sorts. It was, in fact, so loud, I was completely startled. Then there was a pause, and it happened again, and then nothing. I had a cat, and I still do, and she was right next to me. She started looking around the room, tracing something with her eyes as if she was seeing something. At this point, I'm freaked out. I didn't know what to do. Am I imagining it? I've never had problems like this before. Well, um, the first thing that I would recommend, and this is coming from somebody who literally works with energy and works in a metaphysical shop, um, the first thing I would do is I would get rid of that sigil that you drew or the creepypasta symbol that you drew. Get rid of that shit. Burn it. Cleanse your space. Cleanse yourself. Fucking do some something in the realm of protection whether that be salting your around your house salting your windowsill your door sills it doesn't even matter like i know that this is what i'm saying is like super superstitious and kind of along the lines of like witchcraft and kind of um you know not really rational to other people but it's all in the energy and i think we even mentioned it in a previous episode of murder where we talk about poltergeists and how poltergeists are usually just a manifestation of residual energy so like if something traumatic happens in a location it usually triggers poltergeist like activities with the symbol that was drawn, the creepy pasta logo, I have no idea what that looks like. Usually those types of things are, they are what I said earlier. They're like a sigil, a symbol, something that is used to invoke energy, a certain type of energy. So maybe, just maybe, you should burn it to get rid of it that is like the best advice that i can give at this point because from what it sounds like you got something fucking attached specifically to you and that's no bueno if no one else is experiencing this type of thing and you're the only one that's experiencing it i wouldn't necessarily say that you're imagining it but it is it is very imperative to get another person's perspective on what they're experiencing as well. So even if your sister is just playing on her phone, ask her to like check something out with you. You know, two eyes are better than one. That one was kind of weird. I'm not even going to lie. The long, creepy hands. No, no, I'm not. Nope. Keep your motherfucking hands to yourself. I don't want none of that. Alright. Going on to number, uh, 
I think we're on number four now. And this one is called College Park Ghost. Man, listen. That ghost just wants to chill and hang out with everyone else and get drunk on a Saturday night with some fraternity guys. Okay. Don't judge a book by its cover. But let's get into it. My old high school buds, Tom and Derek. Why does that? sound like an episode of Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) Tom and Derek. I'm so sorry. Okay. My old high school buds, Tom and Derek, had rented a house near the University of Maryland in College Park. They would both ride their bikes to class and make art and jam on various instruments in their spare time. They had a jam room with guitar bass and drums and synthesizers i fucking love synthesizers i don't care what anyone says (laughs) i would stay at their place and we would just chill and try to record something decent in the studio i had this little tape recorder i bought from radio shack i bought it overthinking we could record some of our jams and maybe even some paranormal activity My friend Tom told me how weird stuff had been happening in the house. For example, they would see smoke just appear and disappear from seemingly nowhere. As with most college attendees, they would occasionally partake in the devil's lettuce. (laughs) Just like what we're doing right now. (laughs) This smoke-a-dish-smoke apparition didn't seem like the craziest thing to happen. So, we decided to try out the recorder for spirit hunting. I did the classic, who's living here? Can you tell us your name? But nothing came out in the recording other than myself. One night, me and Tom were jamming at the house by ourselves. Tom tells me he needs to go pick up his girlfriend in Virginia, about an hour away. So, he leaves out the front door while... I stay alone just playing the guitar. I hear Tom outside on the phone the whole time I'm playing. Fifteen minutes goes by and I still hear him talking outside. I go to the door to see why he hasn't left. As soon as I open the door, the front door, I stop hearing Tom on the phone. I see that his car is gone also. I go to close the door and I turn around to see white smoke appear right in front of me. I quickly, it quickly disappeared into air. Yo, bro, what the fuck? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. That is fucking weird. Thinking how strange that all was, I decided it was probably all in my head. Rational. (laughs) That is a very rational statement to make, sir. Maybe I was just hearing things. I keep playing guitar until my other buddy, Derek, shows up. I tell Derek about what happened, and he did not seem too phased. Him and Tom both have seen their fair share of weird stuff. They seem to be sort of a magnet to the paranormal. Derek gets on bass, and I play my guitar. We are jamming for a good ten minutes when I hear a voice. Stop, it said. I think... I think how weird that is and how it sounds just like my buddy Tom. Then I hear it louder. Stop. It was Tom. I knew it was him because it had the same distinct nasally tone. 
but it couldn't have been him. He was still an hour away in Virginia. Derek and I both stopped playing. I asked him if he heard that, and he said, yeah. I asked him, what did you hear? He says, it sounded like Tom yelling stop. Tom eventually came home, and we talked about what happened. We were all pretty weirded out by the whole thing. It didn't stop us from having a good time and recording some good music. I think the fear and mystery might have added a bit of flavor into our own productions as well. Tom and Derek continued to live in that house for another year, and the strange occurrences didn't stop. Tom told me he had been karate chopped by what felt like a child. He had seen the same little boy in 1800s clothing appear in a misty haze several times in that house. All of these things must have really messed with Tom. He fell on hard times after he dropped out and him and his girlfriend broke up. He also witnessed a giant triangle UFO with an entire group of people at an outdoor rave in Virginia. Bro, you're in an outdoor rave. The fuck you think you're going to be seeing a goddamn UFO? Though Virginia is known for some weird-ass shit. I mean, Mothman. I mean, <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't deny the Mothman, okay? Because that's what, Point Place, Virginia? Or is that Point Place, West Virginia? No, I'm pretty sure it's fucking Virginia, bro. Okay, but I digress. This, along with other pressures, seemed to have caused him to spiral emotionally. He had always been a strange guy in the most hilarious and charming way. It was really hard seeing him fall in such hard times. Yo, that's kind of sad. You would think that this would have, like, a really nice ending, but it, it really didn't. It's kind of creepy, and, you know, sometimes, like I said from the previous story that I read sometimes those residual energies can just like fucking grab a hold of you and like just like really be a Debbie Downer and so the best advice that I can honestly give is um aside from like the spiritual woo woo type of shit just you you've got to get out you you got to get out you got to find a way to ground yourself find some sense of purpose i am not someone who has experienced a paranormal experience that completely reshaped my life for better or for worse i have experienced paranormal activity and yes it does fucking freak me out um when i see it firsthand but i'm used to hearing things that aren't there and no I don't have schizophrenia um I'm just I, I I just hear things I hear things I feel things but like the minute I fucking see something happen that I can't fucking explain it I'm just like what the fuck was that <sighs> so I've never had an experience paranormally where it just completely altered the direction of my life. And it seems like Tom here, our buddy Tom, was extremely affected 
it affected him so much that he saw a fucking giant UFO at a rave. It affected him so much that he spiraled emotionally. And he really fell on some hard times. So maybe this little 18-year-old ghost little boy just needs to mind his own business. You know what I mean? Anyways, moving on. <clears throat> Number three, my dad met a demon. Oh, God. I'm reading these at night. This is a terrible fucking idea. <laughs> just, hang on. We need to take a break. <laughs> One minute. <laughs> okay, so like I said in the beginning of this episode, I I don't know the endings of these of these stories. So we're finding them out together. But I did read the first part of the stories in order to select the stories because I wanted to know if it was good or not. And this one, this one got me. Now, the title says my dad met a demon. The reason why I, <laughs> I didn't choose it because of the title, for one. I chose it because in the beginning of the story, it says that my dad was a truck driver when he left the military. And my husband is a truck driver. <laughs> and being on the road with him, like, is freeing. It's beautiful. You get to see so many different things. But you're also on a time crunch and so on and so forth. But, like, the things and the places that you go to, I'm not even going to lie, they're kind of sketch. They're really sketch. And, <laughs> um... Uh, my grandmama's husband, the one I mentioned earlier who told us that really scary story when we were kids, he is also a truck driver. And he also, um, he also experienced a lot of weird and bizarre things on the road. So I'm really curious if there's anyone else out there who has a mobile job like that, that has also experienced something to this effect, you know, like some scary ass shit because like I have questions. Um, but anyways, let's get this story started. I want to tell you this for context. My dad was a truck driver when he left the military in the late 2000s, but the time me and my siblings were born, he only drove in our home state of Texas, and summers were extremely busy for him. This incident happened in 2006 on one of his extended trips across Texas. I believe he was driving south on 281. He was getting pretty tired when he pulled over into a truck stop. He was making his way to the on-site convenience store when he noticed a young woman pacing back and forth at the front of the shop. She looked to be in her early 20s, slim, very pretty, and wearing a tank top with cut-off shorts, according to my dad. Normal attire for Texas summers. She was carrying a plate covered with aluminum foil, as if she was making her way home from a family barbecue. He finished his business in the store and headed back to his truck. As he got in, he was stunned to see the blonde woman was now sitting in his passenger seat, First of all, I'd be like, bitch, you need to get the motherfuck up out of my truck. Okay? Get up out of my truck. <laughs> like, I, mm, mm, mm. As he, <laughs> he was 
utterly shocked. Bitch, I would be too. He had no clue who this woman was or how she got past his locked door. My dad was always very vigilant on the road and never left his truck unlocked, nor should you. Okay. He demanded that she get out of his truck. He wasn't afraid at this point, but something felt off about this mysterious woman. She sat there and looked at him with the covered plate on her lap, not saying a word. For a moment, he wondered if he should just get out, walk over to the passenger side door and just yank her out of the cab, grab her by her weave and just rip her out. (laughs) But he decided against it. I'm still not sure why. The whole thing was beyond strange. So my dad, against his better judgment, turns his rig on and drives off. The blonde woman still is in his passenger seat. A few miles up the road, he attempts to make conversation. I guess he was trying to quell the extreme discomfort he felt. He asked her name, but the woman remained silent. As he continued down the highway, lustful thoughts began to creep into my dad's mind. I'm sure it had been a while since he last seen my mother out there in the rural Texas roads. Who wouldn't find out? Just one time. What could happen, right? My dad puts his hand on her thigh, right above her knee. As soon as he touched her, the woman turned from a gorgeous young woman into some kind of hellish monster. Her face turned rugged. Her eyes were now black pits. Her teeth had turned into sharp fangs with a long, unnatural tongue. The demonic figure let out a guttural hiss, and from the plate she was holding came a bunch of slimy movements, as if there were a pile of withering worms beneath the foil. A putrid smell permeated the truck's cab and my dad quickly turned his face from her and managed to bring the truck to a stop on the side of the road. As the truck came to a halt, my dad opened his door, jumped out of the truck. After taking a few moments to compose himself and allowed his breathing to return to normal, he looked back at the truck. The demonic woman had vanished. He was now alone on the road. He started to pray, asking God to rebuke the evil spirit. He eventually got back into the truck and drove off. The woman did not return. However, it was a while before the lingering stench dissipated. When my dad got home from the trip, he recounted everything to my mother. He had been so scared that my mother would for, wouldn't forgive him for his unfaithful indiscretions. He, hadn't, he had seen a lot in his life, but nothing had ever frightened him like that before. He blamed himself for impure thoughts, and perhaps that's why he attracted the evil spirit. I know that many might say everyone cheats on their partner all the time, and nothing like this ever happens to them. I can't explain why. I only know what happened to my dad on the dark, lonely roads of Texas. When I was older, I brought up this experience and asked, Dad, did that really happen to you? He would never respond with words and just a nod. I don't know. That was kind of creepy. Like, 
I'm not even going to lie. That was actually really creepy <laughs> because what that's so, oh, no, just no. Um, I asked my husband, um, I, I did ask my husband in context because I did tell him about this story and I asked him, have you ever experienced anything unusual, out of place, kind of paranormal on the road? And he's like, there are countless stories that he has from his experience of being on the road. And <clears throat> he was like, well, I can't really, I, like, I'd have to sit and think about them. But there are a lot of unusual things that happen on the road. And it just, it's so unusual. And maybe we'll do a podcast. Um, maybe we'll dive into that area of paranormal activity as like wandering spirits, wandering demons, so on and so forth, wandering entities, energies, whatever you want to call them. It's just strange and highly unusual. And I really want to, I really want to talk about it. I really want to get into it. Um, but for right now, let's continue on to our second to last story. This one is called Get That Board Out of Here. That board? Are you talking about the Ouija board? Yes, we are talking about the Ouija board. If I have to say it once, I'll say it again. Um, Ouija boards are not something to mess with. Okay. Please and thank you. All right. Moving on. For all long, for as long as I can remember, I've had an interest in the spiritual world and thought it would be cool to communicate with the dead. So back in 2014, my mom was browsing around on the local FB buying selling groups and she came across someone selling a used Ouija board. Why? No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Red flag number one. Number one, we don't buy used Ouija boards. We just don't. It's just it's not a thing. That's not something we do. It caught her attention because it was a glow-in-the-dark limited edition, and she decided to buy it for me. She remembered playing with one when she was a child and thought I'd enjoy it too, since we'd talk about it in the past. <clears throat> My mom then contacted the seller, who would stop by to drop off the board. It was one of those stormy, gloomy, almost spooky days when the guy came um, came to the house to drop us off the board. As soon as I saw it, I got a bad vibe. No fucking shit, Sherlock. Once the guy left, I told my mom, I don't feel safe using that. I want to do some research first. My mom was surprised at my reaction because before this point, I'd been interested in playing with it. I ended up surfing the interwebs, watching YouTube videos, and hearing many stories most of which were bad, which made me feel uncomfortable about trying the Ouija board. My mom ended up packing it away in a box on our porch 
where it stayed for many years. This brings us to the spring of 2022. Ooh, this is recent. Oh, bitch, it just got juicy. Okay. By now, I'd gotten really interested in the paranormal, had learned a lot more about Ouija boards and how dangerous they could be. Thank you. Mm. This OP has some common sense. Please keep that common sense throughout the story, please. So I reached out to my mom and asked, remember that Ouija board you put on the porch years ago? I think you need to get rid of it because I heard that just having one in the house can bring on bad luck and negative energy. It's weird because since moving to this house in 2014, we hadn't had a lot of good experiences. She replied, oh, I actually got rid of it the last time I reorganized the port. So let's fast forward to summer. I am back at my mom's house. I go to school in a different part of the country, but return to her house in the summer. Once I got back there, I started hearing strange stuff in my bedroom, like whispering. I thought perhaps it was just the air conditioner, but it honestly sounded like voices, and I never heard anything of that sort until that summer. I also sensed that the Ouija board was still in the house. I decided to go look for it on the porch. That's when I see the Ouija box tucked away in a clear storage bin. I grabbed it and brought it to my mom. As we looked in the box, we both noticed it was different. The board and the box looked looked like new. When we opened it, the planchet was still in its own separate wrap. This was not how we remembered the board. When my mom got it from the guy, it had been used. The box had some wear and tear, and the planchet wasn't wrapped in anything. At this point, we're both weirded out and just wanted that thing out of the house. I'd heard that Ouija boards could come back and change if you don't properly dispose of them. For the time being, we put it in our backyard because we weren't sure how to get rid of it. We wanted it out of the house, but leaving it on our property wasn't a smart move on our part. Bad things started happening. The first thing was when my father got into a minor car accident. That was the only time in his life he'd been in an accident in all of his 45 years of driving. Next, our basement flooded. Town sewage backed up into our basement. Nasty, I know. Before this, we had a dry basement, which had only gotten wet once due to someone leaving a window open during a bad storm. The third thing was when we had a handyman come over and the guy almost fell through our basement stairs. Oh my God. He wasn't hurt, but it really scared my mom. She ended up getting the stairs replaced, even though it was very expensive. Then another thing happened to my dad, which proved to be the scariest of all. There was a big fire in his apartment building. Multiple units were destroyed, including the one right above him. Thankfully, no one was injured. His, his unit did suffer some water damage, so he was forced to move out. He would take the, at least six months before renovations to his apartment, so he couldn't move back in right away. One final thing happened while the Ouija board was still in the backyard. My mom and I noticed we didn't have a lot, didn't have any hot water. 
So we went down to the basement and discovered that the water heater wasn't working. We tried to reset it and couldn't get it back on. A repairman came to check on it and told us that the unit was overheated or had overheated. Fortunately, there was a safety setting that shut it off before it got dangerously hot. He then explained that the water heater thermostat was faulty or was faulty or it should have had never gotten that hot. If the safety switch hadn't shut off, it could have blown up. We were lucky. Damn right you were motherfucking lucky. This little board thinks 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 it's ruling your motherfucking life right now. <laughs> like dude, one thing I noticed is that even with all these close calls, no one was harmed. It was almost as if someone or something was watching out for us. After that last thing happened with the hot water heater, my mom and I agreed that we need to get that board off of our property. It seemed to be bringing us bad luck, and we were worried that things might even get worse. Even my dad was having bad luck. Although my parents were divorced, he'd never lived in the house with us. My mom decided to get rid of the board. She planned to bring it to the town dump. She had separated the board from the planchet so she could toss them in two different garbage bins at the dump. As my mom was driving to the dump, she noticed something odd. At a neighbor's house down the street, there was a hearse parked in the driveway, a vintage hearse from like the 1970s. She texted me about it and said, that's weird, but people do buy old hearses sometimes. My mom then disposed of the board at the dump and headed home. On her way back, she drove past the neighbor's house and saw the hearse was gone. There was only a dumpster that had been sitting in the driveway. Bitch, no. My mom had never seen a hearse in the neighbor's driveway before that day and hadn't seen one since. The neighbor's driveway was too short for both a hearse and a dumpster to be parked Later that week, my mom and I were at Barnes & Noble and decided to have coffee at the Starbucks there. Guess what we saw? When we dropped off our serving tray tucked away near a milk and sugar was a, was a Ouija board. was a fucking Ouija board. I know they sell them at Barnes & Noble, and I guess someone could have left it there. But it still totally freaked us out. Yo, that would freak me out. There is no such thing as coincidences. I stand by that fucking statement. There is no such thing as a coincidence. Everything happens for a reason, for a purpose. And I swear to God, I feel like this board was like giving you a warning or some shit. But like, no, 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 no. This, oh, I'm really, here's the thing. With this story, I'm really glad that the OP had sense and knowledge when it came to dealing with Ouija boards. Unfortunately for her mother, she did not, but that is okay because her mother at least didn't like tell her, oh no, it's just fine, but whatever. You know, she actually took her daughter's knowledge and expertise and, you know, decided to do something about it. But it's still, it's still not, it's, 
Ouija boards are iffy. They're, they really are. To me, they're please like they're aesthetically pleasing, but I would never fucking use one. Ever. Ever. <sighs> Which brings us to our last story before we sign off. And this one is called I Have Been Asked to Tell Another Story from My Experience as a Trauma Scene Cleaner. Okay. This is the only story I chose without reading it. I just saw the title and I was like, oh my God, this one has to be, this one has to be good. So let's get into our last story of the night. It has been a while since I posted a story about a suicide house, but I have had several requests for more stories about my experience in the field of trauma scene work. If you don't know what that is, I used to lead a crew that would go in after a murder, suicide, unattended death, accidental death, fire death, or any manner of incident that caused damage to a structure that left behind a scene that the victim's family shouldn't have to see. So I know my stories are not scary in the haunted or serial killer type stories, but the fact is most people... couldn't handle walking into a scene like many of the ones I've been on. We actually had to be very careful how we trained crew members who worked on scenes or worked on such scenes. It was often a volunteer base. It was often a volunteer basis for working on those types of scenes, meaning we didn't force anyone to go to a house where the dad killed all the children before blowing his brains out into the lazy boy. We just didn't start someone in training and then go, oh, by the way, we're going to a multiple homicide. Anyway, if there was a way to describe some of the sights and smells of doing this type of work, I'm sure you would see how truly scary or messed up all this is. First of all, I have to say that suicide is not glamorous, nor is it ever over for those around you. If you need help, please get help. Don't let your loved ones find you that way. It's not only it not only changes them, but changes the feeling inside the house. Anyway, back to my story. This took place in the late 1990s just before I got out of the field. We got a call to dispatch a crew out to a house and we were told that there was an incident with at least one death. Sometimes it is given to us that way, but never like a real whole story. But sometimes we saw the true story on the evening news or a neighbor that talks too much. We arrive at this house, modest, this house. It's a modest house, not really a high-end home, but not a low-end either. It was a two-story home about midway into a cul-de-sac street. As with some scenes, there is a cluster of neighbors outside looking at who we were and why we were there. The sheriff's department had just released the scene, so all of the crime scene investigators had already done their job. As I approached the house, I noticed a ton of what looked like bullet holes in the stucco, broken glass, and a lot and a long blood stain on the driveway. We went into, or sorry, 
We went inside and had to suit up almost immediately as the police had probably used tear gas. There was blood stains all over it looked like as if someone had been dragged through the house using with gushing blood. (coughs) There were areas that had pooled up blood. Areas where things were kind kind of looked like explosions happened to which I assumed flashbangs were used or maybe the guy inside had shot up probably with strikes probably what strikes you the most in situations like this is how benign the underneath looks I don't know how to describe it but just imagine if you if you will a place looking like the inside of a home molded out of the TV set of Full House. Now imagine that same TV set with blood smeared and pooled, bullet holes, and tons of broken glass. I mean, they seemed like a very formal, normal family. I remember in their living room, a big blue wood cut sign that said family. You know, before live, laugh, love signs were in style and under that sign was a bunch of family photos of kids parents christmas graduations and vacations other things in the house was a wall dedicated to dad's love of sports teams and pictures of him with his buddies at games and stuff so what happened from what we pieced together from the news report neighbors who wanted to talk to us while we were cleaning his blood off the driveway and from the scene itself was that the dad went crazy he had been talking about demons not like I got my own demons but like actual demons he was sure that he was being attacked by the devil and that demons were trying to take the souls of his family so rather than let the demons take his family he killed them and so they would go to heaven he ended up barricading himself in the house It looked like some family members tried to get out of the way before being shot and stabbed, but one collapsed in the kitchen and one escaped somehow and one was pulled out by the police. He ended up shooting back at the police and the neighborhood was evacuated for blocks. Not sure about all that was... Not sure about all that as we arrived on the scene much later but that was what the people outside were saying in the end he escaped the house ended up on the roof still shooting back and the police and the police and they shot him he fell from the roof and that was his blood we were cleaning from the driveway he murdered his wife One of his older children later died in the hospital. One of the kids was killed inside the house. One escaped, and I think another family member that lived with them was unharmed as they were not at the house when this all went down. It took us a lot longer to clean this scene as there were so many holes, and we had to remove almost all of the carpet and soft surfaces due to the tear gas. 
It was a terrible scene inside. I know this might sound religious or whatever, religious or whatever, but come across enough of these scenes and you start to really believe evil does exist. Oh, that one, that one was heavy. That one was heavy for sure. I was honestly not expecting it to be that heavy. Um, but that one was pretty heavy and really hard to get through. The, um, I know this is a terrible, terrible timing, but they really don't know how to use punctuation. I really wish they, they punctuated more. It might have made it easier to read. Um, but that one, that one was hard to read because things like that happen and sometimes we don't even know why you know and those these these stories like the murder suicides especially with family members those ones are really hard to read and no matter how much we try to understand the actions of why another person would do something like that um you really can't you really can't i'm not saying itself the actions that he did were not evil but a type of evil that really does exist kind of creepy kind of scary kind of horrific and there you have it, my dudes. Spooky stories from the stash box. If you have a story like this or of this said nature that is spooky, kooky, and just downright mind, mind blah, blah. if you have a story to share that is spooky, kooky, and just downright mind blowing, send us an email at murder on the 420 podcast at gmail.com. Have your story aired with others who also have a higher train of thought. If this episode piqued your interest into the strange and unusual and you want more, give us a follow on IG and TikTok at Murder on the 420 Official. And don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family or whoever the hell has the same horrific taste in podcasts as you. And if you love this podcast, tell us. Leave us a five-star review and have your comments read at the end of every episode. I'm your host, L. This is Murder on the 420 Express, leaving you with a higher train of thought.